Jimmy, what's good, man? How are you? Welcome to JBK on air. Thank you uh, for making some time today, man. Oh, here. You know, when you asked, I had to make it happen. <laughs> so, uh, first question for you. It's been a long time since I've uh, since I've seen you. Yeah. Where are you Where are you based out of now? Oh man, it's been like a world tour for me. But um, I'm actually currently in Dallas, Texas, right now. But I'm about to be moving out to San Francisco in a couple of months, actually. Okay. And uh, for folks listening at home, uh, how Austin and I know each other, Austin is actually a former uh, UCLA tight end, uh, the son of an NFL coach, uh, Alfredo Roberts, who worked for the Colts during the time that uh, we went to high school together at Carmel. And um, so what's your line of work now? Are you still involved with football in any in any way? Well, um, after my time with the Chargers, I did some time to do some internships at um, different sports media companies, um, you know, uninterrupted, um, Players Tribune and whatnot. But I actually found myself um, doing a, a program with the NFL. Um, they have a partnership with Visa. And um, I'm going to be working out in um, at the Visa offices as a part of this NFL partnership, um, particularly like in the sponsorship side of things, global partnerships, kind of kind of working in with football a little bit, but um, as well as just wider business um, things as well. Yeah. And I, you know, it's always a good thing whenever you play sports, I always gravitated towards those guys because they understand what it, what it means to play a specific role to work within a team, how much of being a college athlete and being a highly touted high school recruit kind of helped you get to where you are now. I would definitely say it was more so the college aspect. High school, um, I'm not going to lie, you know, I was kind of kind of uh, floating my way through things and all that. Um, but once I got to college, just kind of, you know, um, the rigorous schedule, um, you know, the discipline that was needed to, you know, to remain an option to be able to play. And, you know, not, not a diss to anything um, that I did in high school. I just, um, I'm just looking back at myself back in the day and I just know that I probably didn't take advantage of, you know, the structure that Carmel had set for me um, as much as I probably should have. So, but, um, but in retrospect, you know, once I kind of bought into, you know, having to put in the extra work um, on and off the field, in the classroom, in the library after hours, um, it definitely helps, you know, you know, making that transition out, outside of sports as well. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. And I know that, um what what enabled you to move to Carmel was your dad was hired by uh, the coaching staff here in Indianapolis during the whole Andrew Luck era uh, during the start of that thing. Um, what what experience does your dad have as a coach? And was there ever a, a sense of pressure to pursue things in football just because of how much you were around it as a little kid? Oh, oh yeah. Nah, like, um, I just remember when I got done playing um, after, you know, I got hurt and I said I was out, you know, all, all of my like peers that are, you know, that are still in the league. A lot of guys that my dad coached with, they're all asking, oh, so what are you going to do? You're going to get into coaching, get into scouting, which one? And I would say just me growing up in the NFL atmosphere, um, it's like, yeah, I could have gone through that path, but I kind of wanted to branch out and do something else while still being attached to sports. And, you know, thankfully, I found this opportunity through the NFL um, that I'm able to do, pursue that. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely was kind of viewed as, you know, an heir to the Roberts coaching uh, lineage um, <laughs> after my father. But, you know, how to do what was best for me. 
Yeah. And um, I know you have a brother as well that went to Carmel. And uh, is there is there going to be an agent in the family, you know, in case there's athletes down the line that need representation? Uh, actually, well, he there was conversations about that when we were early on in college. But um, he's actually going down the production road um, in the sports industry. He's currently working at NFL Network. Um, I'm not too sure what his title is, but he's definitely on like the production side. So again, he's still in sports, but in his own kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And um, you could talk about this. I mean, I feel like if your dad was a was an NFL player, you see him as dad, right? Not the not the guy on the field. Yeah. Was it difficult growing up sometimes because your dad had so many demands with his job? Um. Hmm. I actually talked to him about this. Like, I just remember when I was like a little kid, you know, when we're like young, like, you know, right. like seven, eight, six, you had that little strict, strict little bedtime. Well, with my dad being a coach, you know, he was getting in at like 11, 12 o'clock at night. So I wouldn't see my dad till like, you know, weekends after uh, Sundays after the game or when he was coaching in college, Saturday after the game. Yeah. But so that was kind of tough for me um, when I was a little guy. But as I grew up, um, you know, I was able to see him a little bit more because I was able to stay up later. But I would also say one of the difficulties of having a, you know, a former player NFL coach as a father is kind of adopt a pseudo military lifestyle and not trying to say that we had that military lifestyle like, like, you know, those families do. Mm-hmm. But like we were moving around every three, two, three, maybe four years. You know, honestly, my time in Indiana, uh, I think that was the longest that my family has ever spent in like one house. Mm-hmm. Even though I left, even though I left for UCLA, you know, just coming back to Carmel for from like 2012 to 2016, yeah. you know, that was that was a little different. But um, yeah, just moving around, having to consistently adjust every couple of years, I would say that was probably one of the biggest challenges. But it definitely helped kind of round out my character as a person, and right. you know, I, def- I definitely see the benefits today. Well, and you know, I, I'm I'm a broadcaster, so my job is to kind of observe things and. You know, I didn't get a chance to see you play down in Florida. I only got to see a couple of years here when you were at Carmel. If you had to compare the competition level, I, I feel like it's two different worlds from, you know, maybe Carmel with the certain facilities they have can compete with certain things, but team to team, I feel like it's two different things. I'm going to stop you right there because I don't know if you remember, but back in 2012, I was asked the same exact question and I gave a very straightforward, fair answer and I was absolutely crushed by the indiana high school media i don't know you know what it's been years now so i'll, I'll answer it the this same is just way. my show man this is just my I'll, show i'll answer it the same way i did at, back then and hopefully people understand indiana at the time when i was there the kids were bigger they were and with them being bigger you know i wasn't used to that so you know i was i was you know concerned of coming across the middle and being a big old linebacker versus in Florida, you know, you're just worried about those linebackers, you know, running with you wherever you go because the football's faster. Right. But, um, you know, after my time in Indiana, I will say the, was it the MIC, the Metropolitan Interscholastic Conference, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, that's some of, I was like, that was some of the most competitive ball that I've played, you know, like in terms of just competition week after week, um, just looking back. So, you know, the gap, the gap between, I'm just going to say the Mick because that's what I know. So the gap between the Mick and Central Florida, where I'm from, 
I'm not going to say that I'm, there is a gap, but I'm not going to say that there's a big gap, right. you know, like, you know, the Mick got guys coming out, um, coming, going out to college every year. I know there's a couple guys um, in the league. Oh yeah. Nate, uh, old teammate, Nate Becker still doing it out in, out in Buffalo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not, bro, I, 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 I get so happy every time I see, see him post something like, you know, just having, yeah. just having a teammate still doing the thing, man. Just love seeing it. Well, and there's a guy uh, who played at Cathedral. He's from Carmel, Reese Horn. He just signed with the Bengals, you know. Uh, there's several okay. guys from here. Um, Sheldon, I, I, I know Terry, yeah, Terry's doing his thing up in uh, Washington. We all knew that. Oh, that dude was electric. <laughs> we, we knew that was going to happen. That was just a matter yeah. of time. Um, and plus, uh, during your time at Carmel, you only played under Coach Wright. It's been a few years, right? But you yeah. Um, and then he went on to IMG. You know, like that, that shows the coaching caliber of Coach Wright to kind of mm-hmm. move from Carmel to IMG. Now he's kind of building the Indiana football program by getting a pipeline down there. You know, a lot of Florida guys are coming up to Bloomington and wanting to play for Coach Allen now. Oh, yeah. Nah. Um, Co- one thing Coach Wright always was is like a player's coach. And just, and I know him at IMG kind of, he kind of enjoyed just, you know, worrying about coaching and not having to, you know, teach APC or do anything else outside of that. But one thing about Coach Wright that I always know is he always seeks out a challenge. Like if you look out at his coaching resume, he's at a spot for a couple of years and he moves on after he has has some success. So I'm really happy he's up in Indiana under Coach Allen because, you know, they got a lot of momentum coming. Um, I haven't been a haven't been around coach Wright when he's, when he's recruiting. Um, but I'm sure that he has a great recruiting pitch. I, um, from some of the guys that played with him at IMG, I heard that they loved him there and I'm sure that this paying off for him over up in, up in Indiana too. Yeah. And for folks that aren't, uh, from Carmel or haven't had a chance to live here, how would you describe a uh, game day atmosphere and just kind of the, the vibe of the town? The best way I could describe it is, even though, well, okay, Carmel has definitely grown since um, our time there. But um, when we were there, it was still really a small city. I would consider maybe like a, you know, a metropolitan small town-ish vibes. But like, it's still like, it, it was like one of those things, like if there's a big game, you they would have a sign on like their little mom and pop um, sandwich shop saying close for the game. Yeah. And you know, all the tailgating, all the festivities, the student section going going bonkers like i would easily say that that atmosphere is better than any atmosphere i played in, in uh, when i was in florida just um knowing that every every week that we have the whole city behind our back you know it was awesome yeah and you know one one thing i can remember um when i was i don't, I don't know if i had made it to high school yet but carmel was on the first espn broadcast of high school football like they had they had Carmel and Cathedral, and it was a Saturday afternoon game. And I remember when you were there, you were on ESPN. We, we got an ESPN game uh, during the time that you were there. Uh, that was, I guess yeah. my, my lead into that is, you know, a lot of times people showed up to see you. Like, let's just be frank. You know, you were kind of the star of the team. Did you ever feel pressure to perform for either for uh, yourself or other guys, you know? Um, I would say my junior year. I definitely felt the pressure and it was affected in my play. Like sure. I was still being heavily recruited, but anyone who knows me and knows football knows that my junior year was not the year that was supposed to be, but like, you know, senior and senior year, I fully kind of embraced the Carmel, um, the Carmel atmosphere, you know, the 
the, the work, you know, waking up, working hard and practice, even if it seems redundant, um, make sure you get the stuff done in the classroom and just, um, and just um, getting, and getting out there on Fridays and making it happen. But I would say the difference between my fresh, my junior and senior year was I truly embraced trusting my teammates, you know, like, you know, fresh junior year, I thought it was just give me the ball, let me make it happen. Senior year, you know, like there was times that I would have to do that because that was, you know, that was my role. But I don't know if you remember later on in the year when Isaac, Isaac, Chris Perkins, Shakira Pascal, we just got back in that wing tee and they just did their thing. Like that was that was probably, you know, my biggest, biggest change for, for sure was just, you know, embracing karma culture and believing in my teammates that, you know, they can get it done and I didn't need to do everything. So Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, was the recruiting process, that had to have been stressful. And it, it, for me, it would add to my ego. You know, if I'm, if I'm on the ESPN top 100, you know, I would yeah. feel kind of a responsibility that I'm the man and I want to show up, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, and, look at, and looking back, you know, I was just a product of my environment, you know? Right. Like I look back kind of cringe because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy, you know? I'm, I'm not the kind, I'm not egotistical. I'm not me, 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 but just thinking about all the press that I had coming in, like coming into Carmel. Um, yeah, I could easily see, I could easily see why I had that kind of mentality, but in terms of the recruiting process, you know, um, I committed to UCLA the summer before my senior year. And that took a whole lot of pressure off of me. There wasn't many, as many phone calls. I wasn't receiving as much recruiting hype because they don't really hype up the people that are committed. Right. And I think like, you know, kind of circling back to what I said before that kind of played into like kind of helping me deflate my ego and truly becoming a team player. Well, and one, one thing that is a difference for basketball, and I can testify to this having family members who played division one basketball for high school football, you kind of have your high school season and that's it. I mean, um, there's certain workouts that you can do and certain camps you can show up at, but, how important is it for a player that might have a potential to play college ball to be at a top program like Carmel just to get noticed? You know, you know, that's tough. I got to kind of think a little bit because I haven't really paid attention to the high school recruiting world ever since I got to UCLA, went to UCLA. Yeah. But I will say, like, going to a school that has a history of putting out, you know, three, four, three, four, and then Morgan Newton, I think Morgan was the only five stars so I think so like three four and one five star just having that lineage um you know college coaches are naturally just going to come check and it's like hey coach who do you got this year versus like a small school where you might get one diamond in the rough every 10 years and they're going to have to work two times as hard to get noticed but you know, recruiting you know recruiting has changed so much with just seven on seven camps how competitive these showcases have become how college camps have pretty much just become you know many tryouts for players so um it's i feel like it's definitely helps going to like a bigger school like you know being in the mid-conference but you know nowadays with social media huddle and all that if you can ball just post it and see what happens well and i want to talk to you a little bit about the the injuries that are involved with football it's inevitable it's part of the game um see i would be concerned especially playing a position like yours where you're going across the middle there's concerns for like personal foul uh, penalties, you know, that add 15 yards, which increases like knee injuries. Right. Yeah. Um, 
how concerned were you, especially later on in your career with your body and the longevity of it for the rest of your life? Uh, you know, it's funny because I would say until my last knee injury with the Chargers, I didn't really think about it. You know, just it's just part of the game. Like, yeah, you're going to get hit, but, you know, you wouldn't be out there. You wouldn't be out there, you know, if you were afraid of that happening. Right. So, but, well, you know, of course, like, you know, after I hurt my, um, hurt my other knee during my first year at UCLA, you're kind of, you know, a little nervous getting back out there, especially going from high school then to college. But, you know, eventually the more reps you get, the more comfortable you get out there. And, you know, like our, my coaches have told me my whole life, you know, you play, if you don't play full speed, that's when you for sure get hurt. Right. You know, so, so yeah, you know, it's always in mind, but it's just like something just like, okay, can't worry about that now. Well, and we've also seen mental health become a problem in the NFL. Like, let's be honest about it. We saw Andrew Luck retire after a game at the age of 29. Like, that guy was clearly having problems. And what, what makes – what really bothers me is, you know, fans, I get it. You're disappointed that you bought season tickets expecting Andrew Luck to be there. But what if he played and then something happened to him? You know, like, is it really yeah. worth that? I don't know. It's not. No, it's not. And, you know, 10 years ago, you know, I feel like the net, like it, the reaction would have been like 10,000 times worse about Andrew retiring as suddenly as he did, right. but, you know, kind of with the whole athlete empowerment um, movement that's been going on these past few years, um, it's kind of spearheaded by, um, you know, LeBron, Derek Jeter, some of the top, top guys in those sports, yeah. um, you know, kind of changed the, perception of, on athletes you know letting letting us show who we are off the field versus just you know having a helmet on all the time mm-hmm. and yeah you're and in regards to Andrew's situation you know I, I personally don't know what was going through our, through his head um and whatnot but you know sometimes you know like you're just tired of it you're tired of getting banged up each week you want to get out before you hurt too much you know you can look at look at a case with Calvin Johnson you know he left when he was 30 maybe Right. Prime of his career. Still prime his career coming off of a dang near um, two years off of a almost 2000 yard receiving season. Um, You know, guys are doing a better job of prioritizing their health um, and making sure that they're putting their money in places that will continue to grow. So they don't need to feel like they need to play as long as, say, people in the 90s playing. If they had the opportunity to play 10 years, they're going to play 10 years because um you know that's just what you do you play till you can't right well and isn't one of the problems with the nfl too that the contracts aren't guaranteed there's an incentive to play even when you are hurt to get the bonus or whatever is there not yeah um not some of them are like right now i say like if you draft within the first couple of rounds you've got a better job of you know commanding guaranteed money but in my case, like as an undrafted guy, they can sign you. And if you don't make the team, you don't get one dollar. <laughs> so so did, were you able to cash it? Were you able to get a check from the NFL in your time? Or no? uh, I was, thankfully, I was able to get one season with the Chargers. Um, OK, I don't I don't talk about it too much because, you know, it was only one year. Well, hey, you, know, <laughs> you got a lot farther than than other guys. And I think that's that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about, you know, I see all these Instagram accounts and, and that's how you, you know, kind of build your profile now, nowadays, I guess. But 
part of being in professional sports and just being around the level of competition that you're at, it's accepting the reality that <laughs> it doesn't last for long. You know, the NFL stands for not for long, you know, and no fun and no fun league too, but they're, <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting a little bit better and letting the guys have some fun. But, um, but yeah, just, um, when you're talking about social media, it's just crazy how integrated social media has become into the sport of football in the past couple of years. Like, yeah, you know, with TikTok, like this past season, they got like little TikTok booths for guys walking off the field from practice to answer a goofy question or whatever. They got like the end zone cam for guys to do like their little touchdown dances that they'll throw up on their Instagram, Twitter pages. Like it's com- completely different environment compared to like four years ago. Well, and it, it just adds responsibility to the job. You know, I'm sure they have sponsorships and just different things that they have to account for that you wouldn't have to in the 90s, you know? Oh, yeah. And just, you know, just the visibility of it all. Like, um, you know, like I just remember going out with the guys and, um, um, and you know, I was with a group of, you know, with some of the rookies, some of the not late later round guys, undrafted guys. And we were kind of on our P's and Q's because, if someone took a video of one of us doing something stupid, right. you know, was like, um, you know, there's no reason for the team to not to, there's no reason for the team to keep us. We're expendable. So, um, yeah, definitely just social media visibility, all that plays a role <laughs> in just an athlete's life now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure your dad's probably got a few stories that I'm sure he's glad aren't aren't documented on social media uh, over the years. But man, uh, if they had if they had Instagram and TikTok and Twitter when my pops was playing at Miami back in the '80s, bro, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, did he did he play for the U at the time that they were the U? Like in the yeah, 80s? he was a he was a part of that first. Cl- I think it was either Howard Stellenberger's first or second class. Okay. But, he was absolutely, you know, part of the crew that got it going. Like, you know, Bernie Kosar, Michael Irvin, Blades Brothers, that was him. And so he played across from Michael Irvin, and did they, did they keep in touch, all those guys? Uh, yeah, no, my dad does a pretty good job keeping in touch with them. Like, I know I see him and, uh, you know, my family, we call him Uncle Mike. He'll, he'll probably link up with them maybe once or twice a year whenever he has time. Um, I know he's on Twitter with a, a couple of his old buddies, man. <laughs> You know, and those guys, a lot of those guys are in the in the NFL in some capacity, whether it's front office coaching, scouting, and you know they chop it up whenever they get a chance to see each other. So it's yeah. kind of good to see that brotherhood still going. Like I don't know, thirty uh, almost thirty something years afterwards. So yeah, well, and as a former player, I'm sure you'd probably just appreciate the game uh, in any form. But um, your dad played for the Cowboys, right? Uh, yeah, in his playing career. Uh, you're, you're out of Florida having lived in Indiana for a while. Is there a specific team that you follow in the NFL week to week? Uh, well, growing up, it was whatever team my dad was coaching because they're the team <laughs> that put food on the table. There but after, you know, my dad, he's with the Steelers now. So, you know, I kind of, I like the Steelers, but right now I, I'd say since a lot of my buddies are still on the Chargers, you know, I'm kind of a Charger fan at heart because I, I want to see my, my friends succeed. Um, honestly, I'm just, I like every team that I have a connection with so like um you know kind of kind of like the Redskins because you know Terry's McLaurin's out there kind of like the Bills because you know Nate's out there so you know as I I just like seeing my friends uh friends old teammates be successful so whatever they're doing you know I'm gonna root for them I love it I love it and and I haven't been to Los Angeles yet I haven't been to the West Coast um if you could narrow it down to three things 
that any tourist should do while they're in Los Angeles? What, what would you do? I'm gonna tell you, first thing I'm gonna use, I'm gonna tell you is the Hollywood Walk of Fame, don't go. It is not what you think. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything more than that. It is not what you think. All right. All right. But go on, definitely go on the hikes like um the Hollywood Walk of Hollywood Walk of Fame hikes the most famous one, but if you find yourself kind of in the Malibu, Malibu Hills area, there's good hikes over there. Um, go you got to realize who you're talking to. Uh, so I'm probably not going on a hike, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you, Jimmy, you told, you told me to some, you said somebody. You didn't say you. Somebody, somebody. <laughs> I'm just giving you crap, man. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You're always, you're always good for one of those jokes. I remember that and I wasn't prepared. But um, somebody picked that up, and they're gonna appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Man. <laughs> but like, what? Uh, what else is there? Now, there's there's definitely a lot. I'm trying to think of like the more touristy spots. It's kind of crazy because after like my first couple of weeks there, I kind of avoided the touristy spots because that's kind of you know LA natives don't really like going there too much. But since you asked the question, go to Santa Monica Beach, check out the pier, check out the Ferris wheel, all that. If you want to see a lot of cool art exhibits, um, you know, go to Venice Beach. Um, what? Uh, what else? Ah, uh, I can't. Remember. The Getty Museum um, is one of my favorite museums I've ever been to. Um, it's right. It's right on Sunset Boulevard, right past UCLA, um, and it's an art museum that overlooks like most of the whole city. It's just really cool. Great, so, man. That's awesome. So yeah. yeah. Um, Lakers fan um LeBron fan so well, <laughs> you, you remember I'm a Heat fan first and then LeBron fan second so you know yeah I like LeBron I like LeBron so I like the Lakers since LeBron's there and then I think I'm gonna probably end up kind of having the Warriors as my third team since I'm gonna be in the Bay Area for the next few years you, you can't lose with, with those three man so <laughs> uh two Heat can lose like you saw what Giannis and the boys did to them <laughs> this past yeah man. man I love it I love it for Giannis that the the game's becoming more global. That was another question I had for you. We've seen games played in uh, Mexico and London. Yeah. Do you think the NFL will expand internationally down the road? I know there was talks about them putting a team in London, potentially. Um, I, logistically, that'd be kind of tough to figure out. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's going to be no shortage of guys that are going to take those jobs. But, um I can see the NFL expanding a little bit more, but it's going to probably be a lot slower since um, it's football is American football is truly an American game. Yes. Other countries play, but it's not like how soccer where, okay, you can take our best guys in MLS and then you can take the best guys in um, Brazil and we might get smacked. Right. You know, it's not like that, but you know, who knows, maybe, maybe 10, 20, 30 years, you know, tide might change and we might see football, you know, being kind of a worldwide competition. Now let's talk about your position uh, for a second in football, because in high school you played wide receiver and then you converted to tight end basically. Is that correct for UCLA? Yes. So yes. Um, who, I guess that's, is that a coaching decision or, or, or is that a preference of yours? I mean, it, how did it ultimately work out with you playing tight well, end? So pretty much um, after my sophomore year at UCLA, um, I was still a receiver. And then we had a coaching change with our offensive coordinator. And we, and we switched our offense to more of a pro-style approach. And, you know, we didn't really have any traditional tight ends. We never recruited them. So I was like, you know, six, two and a half, two fifteen, 215. 
And my coach, Jim Moore, was like, you think you put on like 10, 15 pounds to play tight end for us? And that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. And, you know, ended up being a little bit more of a natural fit. And I still did play receiver, you know, kind of split out in the slot um, a lot. Right. So, but yeah, it was, it was more of a coaching change. And, you know, it made, it made sense for both parties because I wouldn't have played at receiver for maybe another year versus versus um, getting being ready to start my junior year. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the some of the most respect that I have for football players is for tight ends because I feel like it's a very demanding position. You know, you have uh, responsibility for blocking, receiving. Uh, more often than not, you're the security blanket for the, uh, you know, quarterback looking for an option downfield. Um, did, do you have a preference or did you did you enjoy being at tight end at that bigger weight? Uh, well, I know. I didn't really see the field too much at receiver, you know, thanks to my injury. And then UCLA just having a lot of good sure. receivers, but, you know, tight end, it, like I said, it was more of a natural fit. Um, I say I enjoyed blocking more of my senior year versus my junior year. Cause you, cause um, I was learning and then I was going against like miles Garrett, my first game. And <laughs> yeah. like that, that receiving that, like receiving uh, that game against Texas A&M in 2016 receiving. I did very well, but blocking, I did not do well at all. But um, as I got as a better as a blocker and it kind of caught up my receiver skills, I felt like it was, you know, a perfect match. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would have been picked up um, by a team in the league if I stayed at receiver. So, Well, and looking at UCLA just as a campus, I mean, when you look at the campus, it's a hard school to get in regardless. You know, what what was it like just to have that as an academic experience and to be in Los Angeles for, for college? So UCLA, outside of the ups and downs of football, I love the school, man. I love the campus. I love the curriculum. I love all the professors that – all the professors, if you put the effort in the class, they are very accessible to you. And just having access to – pretty much all of Los Angeles, you know, yes, like, all right, I, I won't say all of Los Angeles, um, because LA is very kind of pretentious. And so your access kind of depends on your success a little bit. I hate to say that, but, um, that's, but, that's um, life. <laughs> it, it is life. But I mean, you know, in that city, in that city, like if you guys, if UCLA isn't winning the stadiums and if UCLA is winning the stadiums pretty cool. So that's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like, it's not like how um, Ohio State, even though they don't lose very often, I feel like if Ohio State had a losing season. That stadium is still going to be rocking all all um, eight home games, eight home games, however many home games they got. But um, back to just UCLA, um, you know, just having the media market that that's in Los Angeles, and you know, me being a young guy wanting to get into that, um, just kind of using that UCLA football leverage to kind of get into different different buildings, kind of talk to different people and learn. You know, it's an experience that I say can't, you can't really find, you know, very uh, at many other places. Maybe you, maybe USC, but I mean. <laughs> well, not, not USC. It's always a good <laughs> season if you beat USC, if nothing else, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the goal. Beat USC and then worry about everything else. <laughs> right. um, well, but, I'll say it was probably more so try to get to the Pac-12 and then beat SC, but. Okay. That's just from my, but that's from that was from my perspective. Unfortunately, I only got the once um during my four years there, but you know, one's better than nothing. Yeah, so. absolutely, man. Um, 
also like I've talked to another college athlete and this is at the division two level. Uh, and I, and I just want to get your experience of it. Um, were your academic opportunities limited in any way because of the demands of football? I mean, it, it does take up a lot of time. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, at a school like UCLA, if you wanted to be a STEM major, you know, they are one of these top STEM schools, you know, in the country. And yeah. they demand the same from everybody, um, regardless of what you got going on um, outside of classroom. So I don't know if we had any STEM majors because just the could the time that what, was what is STEM? I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. STEM is like sci- science, math. Um, you know, um, people okay. want to be engineers and scientists, that stuff. Okay, fair enough. Fair so, enough. yeah. So, you know, like that, that requires a whole nother level of commitment. I don't personally don't know if we had any guys on our team that while I was there that did it. I don't know before. But yeah, it definitely, sports will definitely limit certain academic opportunities um, just because most of your time that you would have studying office hours all that is taken up with uh, sports but the NCAA has done a um you know I'm I'm kind of up and down with NCAA but they did do a better job about giving players more time to explore opportunities outside of outside of sports like I'll say the year after I left UCLA they made a rule saying that the the coaches got to give time to players to be able to do summer internships take extra classes. Um, I'm not sure what the what the exact parameters were, were for that, but I do know that they were taking steps in the right direction to allow players uh, have to have more time to focus on other pursuits. Well, and you also have the, the likeness thing now, right? They can make money off of their own name. Where do you feel about, where do you land with that one? Man, I am so happy that these kids can go out there and make money off their no, own name. Um, yeah, I always thought it was kind of like I, I was in those kind of debates before, but, you know, I'll, my counterpoint to people saying, oh, you got a scholarship. Why would you need to make money off your name? I'm like, there's plenty of there's probably plenty of kids that are in college on a full scholarship um, that might have a YouTube page or social social media famous and they're able to make money off their name. Yeah, well, and it's it's just the market. It's what's marketable, you know, Yes, yeah, what's marketable and also. It was just crazy. I, my freshman year, they did this, but they stopped afterwards. Like, so Brett Hundley was our quarterback at UCLA my freshman year. And back then you couldn't make any money off of your name, but they would have, uh, his number was 17. And if you went to the student store, there'd be a number 17 Jersey hanging up. It wouldn't have his name on the back, but you know who number 17 is. Mm-hmm. So, and he wouldn't see a dime of that. And I, I always thought that's, that's weird. Like, okay, how can, how can your school pretty much use you to make money, but say, I just say, I want to say a pizza joint down the street wants to give me a couple hundred bucks just to post on social media of me eating pizza there. Mm-hmm. As I was wrong with that. <laughs> well, the, now, that's, that's, that's a smaller example. Now these kids are out here making millions of dollars and you know, my side, my, my argument is, listen, get the money while you can. So, yeah. Well, the violations that kill me is like a coach will take a kid out to lunch and pay for the lunch. You know, like these kids don't even have $40 to go out to lunch, you know, and and that's just a nice gesture for an adult to do for a kid, you know? Yeah. And I remember, I remember one time uh, when I was at the bowl game in San Antonio, um, a lady um, bought, bought my soda. I, I was just in line for like 
you know, seven dollars because sodas are expensive at, at um, basketball games. Oh, we were at the we had a Spurs game, by the way. Um, and this lady just came and bought, bought me a soda. And then my coach said, you know, that's a good gesture, but you can you got to throw it away because if that lady was, um, say, from another like a like from another school trying to get us caught up, she can report that and just and completely mm. throw things off, throw things in a loop. And this is back in 2014, though. I mean, yeah, 2014, though. So, but right. nowadays, yeah, your, your kids can pretty much take anything from anybody, I believe. Well, I, I don't think it helps matters when you offer a kid at 12 years old. <laughs> you know, you're seeing these quarterbacks sometimes, especially quarterback, getting offered at like 12. That doesn't yeah. seem right. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, as I got, I never really got into the whole scouting realm. I don't, I don't know what coaches look at. Yeah. Um, like coaches look at and all that sometimes you, you know sometimes you see like a 12 13 year old kid out there and he's like oh shoot yeah he is he's supremely talented so I see why they'll offer them but you know one misconception about offers is verbal offers um verbal offers really don't hold any weight yeah. um it's right. only the written ones do like um you know I it's like I'm not gonna say what school um but no, there was a time that I was ready to commit to a school. And this is before UCLA ever came into the picture, by the way. So I was ready to commit to a school and I was pretty much told no, because uh, for whatever reason, I think they were holding out for another kid that ended up going elsewhere. Yeah. And that's when I learned the hard way that like, yeah, you need that, you need your deals in writing for it to hold any value. Well, and I hate to talk about people this way, but you're kind of a commodity, right? Like um, once a better option comes along, they might pursue that one, you know? And if you're left without an offer, then that's on you, you know? Well, yeah, and that's when I learned that college football is a business was is a business in its own way. Um, because, you know, in the NFL, like that's, that's something you would expect. I thought you would get in the NFL. It's like, oh, someone's going to say they're going to sign you. Oh, no, someone's better come or we're not going to sign you. Um, I thought in college or as I was taught, you know, growing up, your word is your bond. Like, what you, if you say you're going to do something, you're going to go through with it. And that was my first time learning, like, okay, I need to get everything in writing if someone says they're going to do something for me. Mm-hmm. 100%. But, um, but no, hey, no, but absolutely no love lost to the team and coaching staff. It was a learning, learning experience for me. I didn't know. Um, and I ended up where I needed to be at UCLA. That's right, man. You're here now. Yep. Um, looking five. 10, 15 years down the line, Austin, where do you want to be, man? Where do you visualize yourself? Ah, man, um, five, 10, 15 years down the road, I, I'm still, I see myself still, still being in the sports world, um, maybe a little bit more involved, maybe not on the team side of things, but maybe working at a, a dedicated sports media company rather than one of the bigger sponsors for our league. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I do not, if I decide to leave um, sports, it's probably more so entertainment um, kind of production side, um, you know, public talent, talent relations, stuff that I've done before. Love it. We'll have to uh, work together down the line, you know. Oh, absolutely, my guy. Uh, oh, one other thing. I'm sure you'll want to have your own family one day. Um, can we expect your kids to play football? What do you think about that? Uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to tell them not to like they're listen their their grandfather um he played football um he made it their father he played football he made it they don't have to you know they um 
But the one rule I say is they are not playing tackle until they get to middle school. There's, there is no need for them to be getting hit like that, in my opinion. And plus, if they, and plus, if I have a little, a little, a son, and he ends up being a little, a little round and um, ends up playing lineman in elementary school, like, like I did, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have fun doing that. I wanted the ball, so you know, playing, having played flag football, seven on. But you know, I'm gonna try to get them into, um, you know baseball, golf, you know, kind of stuff that isn't as dangerous. But if, there you go. But if, they're, if their genes, if their grandfather and father's genes show and they can't help, can't help it, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. Hopefully the, game, hopefully the game, you know, keeps going on a positive incline in terms of players, of acknowledging player safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the statistics of whether safe, if sport has become safer. But, but yeah, just a long-winded answer. Um, if they want to, if they want to, they got to be like in seventh grade. <laughs> well, um, how can people keep in touch with you and get in contact with you? Keep, keep up with what you're doing. Oh uh, man, I'm boring. So I don't know if anyone wants to do all that, but, um, <laughs> but, um, it's like, but honestly, you know, um, my Instagram, uh, agent underscore agent, uh, 88 underscore. That's kind of where I put out most of my stuff, which isn't really a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, um, that's where you, that's where you find me most of the time if I'm on the internet. Uh, awesome. Thanks again for coming on, man. Until next time, folks, have a great day and a better tomorrow.